postpartum body odor. It is a totally natural phenomenon because your body chemistry changes after giving birth. And so sometimes that means that what worked before is no longer effective. But I am excited to say that now there is a solution for that stubborn odor. The Sugar Sugar Postpartum Deodorant is a completely natural deodorant made by a postpartum mom who went through it herself. And it works by eliminating and preventing bacterial body odor without covering up your skin's comforting smell to your baby while giving you 12 hours of odor control. And let me tell you, it actually works. Here at the house, we've all been trying it and loving it. Now, before you think, ew, you're sharing a deodorant with your husband and daughter, let me explain that this full-body deodorant comes in a convenient pump applicator that lets you apply it anywhere on your body with no bacteria traveling on the deodorant, so no ew involved. We also love that the Sugar Sugar Postpartum Deodorant has a delightful natural scent of USDA certified organic extracts that smell like a pink sugar cookie with lemon frosting. I thought this would be a little strange, but it's actually amazing. Also, the Sugar Sugar Postpartum Deodorant is free from artificial fragrances and any kind of senoestrogens or herbs that can interfere with breastfeeding. Find your Sugar Sugar Postpartum Deodorant at postpartumdeodorant.com. That's postpartumdeodorant.com and use the code BIRTHFUL for 20% off through the month of May. Get your Sugar Sugar Postpartum Deodorant now at postpartumdeodorant.com and start smelling more like yourself again. I love Jenny Kane. At this very moment, I'm feeling so comfy and cozy as I'm practically getting a hug from my Jenny Kane crop cashmere cocoon cardigan. I am enjoying this sweater so much that I've been living in it all spring long. And with Mother's Day just around the corner, this is a feeling you can gift all the well-deserving moms, moms-to-be, and mother figures in your life by giving them the gift of Jenny Kane. Along with bringing you this episode, Jenny Kane is a California brand through and through, and their staples make getting dressed so super easy. Think minimalist and effortless, but totally refined. Jenny Kane means luxurious cashmere sweaters, iconic accessories, elevated versions of your everyday basics, plus the most incredible home essentials. For a limited time, Birthful listeners get 15% off their first order. Go to JennyKane.com and use the code BIRTHFUL15 to get 15% off and support the show. Jenny Kane is known for their quintessential sweaters, with their cotton collection providing you with the perfect everyday pieces as the days get warmer. But they also have gorgeous sundresses in a variety of silhouettes for any occasion and spectacular sandals to go along with them. Find the perfect Mother's Day gift or curate your new spring go-tos at JennyKane.com. Birthful listeners get 15% off your first order when you use the code BIRTHFUL15 at checkout. That's 15% off your first order at J-E-N-N-I-K-A-Y-N-E dot com, promo code BIRTHFUL15. Get yourself and the mothers in your life the gift of Jenny Kane. 
Hey, Adriana here. I wanted to let you know that starting this week, we'll be going back to our older format of one episode per week so that we can start easing into the summer and you can have more time catching up and going through our fabulous Birthful Library. Happy listening. Welcome to the Birthful Podcast. I'm Adriana Lozada, and in today's episode, I'm going to be focusing on the essentials of partner labor support during this time of pandemic. Many hospitals are limiting birth support to one healthy person, so I wanted to do a special episode on how to prepare for providing labor support during these times, and also to help birth partners feel more confident about their active involvement in the process. Stay tuned. The Birthful Podcast. Talking to maternity pros and new parents to inform your intuition. Hello, mighty parents and parents-to-be. Thanks for joining me for this birthful episode. And if what you hear is helpful, do make sure you subscribe so you don't miss a thing. It's free and then we'll be in constant contact. (sighs) So since the world is not doing business as usual at the moment, neither am I, as you can tell. Surprise, I've decided that for the next few episodes, we need to talk about the things that are affecting how we birth during this pandemic. And so this episode is going to be filled with thoughts and resources from myself, as well as lovely birth professionals and dear friends far and wide to help you get your shit ready to give birth and have the support you need and support your loved one during this pandemic. And before we get into the nitty gritty of the support, we need to clear the air because yes, all this uncertainty and extra layers of policy and precaution that are most likely imposing some sudden changes to how you wanted to birth suck. It's not what you wanted. And this isn't to say that the extraordinary measures in place are not important to address the pandemic, but I want to acknowledge that these are not the lovely circumstances you were hoping for when you were thinking about welcoming your baby into the world. I hear that. And I want to acknowledge that and hold that for you. The amazing Parajat Deshpande recently shared an infographic about the things that you may be grieving right now if you are pregnant during a a pandemic. And I'll link it in the show notes, but it talks about, for example, that you may be grieving having to cancel celebrations of important milestones or the expectation of a peaceful delivery without fear, being able to nest in peace, being physically surrounded by your village during postpartum, having to accept labor options that you didn't choose. Not being able to physically introduce your baby to important loved ones right away. Or maybe having to prepare to birth and birth within a climate of fear and anxiety. You may very well indeed be grieving all of this and more. At the same time, do remember that we are complex human beings. We can feel all that and still be filled with joy about your growing healthy baby and be excited about finally meeting them, whether it's going to be in a few weeks or in a few months. Your baby is on their way. And also remember, you can do hard things. You are super incredibly strong and your baby's right there with you, ready to do this. As my wonderful doula friend Kathleen Mignolo recently told me as we've been having talks about lots and lots of talks about everything that's going on in these past few weeks. She said, you know, babies are the best anarchists. They do not give two shits about what the rules are. They are in rhythm with life. We can follow their lead. 
which is where we start, I suppose. And that was a quote from her. And yeah, that's where we start. You know, let's let's go with that. Um, find, follow the lead of the baby, follow the lead of the person giving birth, follow the lead of your family. So I have for you several preparation action steps before getting into the labor support, which are super important as you set the tone and gather all your, you know, tools to get ready for giving birth. So here's preparation action number one. You need to take some time to connect with your baby on a daily basis and strengthen that intuitive connection between all three of you um, or all two of you, depending what your family looks like. Maybe it's all five of you. Connecting at that same time each day may be helpful to build a habit so consider that and you can do it maybe first thing in the morning when you wake up right before bed or maybe when you go for a walk singing to your baby is also a wonderful way to connect and that song can then serve you well after baby is born because they'll know it so i will link on the show notes a couple of episodes that i've done one with penny simpkins and the other with dr jay warren and both are about how to connect with your baby in utero so they'll have lots more suggestions now for the preparation action number two i encourage you to revisit your birth wishes in light of all these new circumstances and to do so by identifying your birth feelings and this is an activity that that i do with all my doula clients and i I do during my um, birth prep classes as well and it's super super incredibly helpful right now you might be feeling like your whole birth plan has already gone out the window but you know, hold on, not quite there yet. While you might not be able to control the specifics, and this is true whether there is a pandemic or not, at any point, you can't control the specifics of birth because it's an uncertain process. You can, however, control how you show up. So if you haven't done this exercise already, I encourage you both, you and your partner, to individually take a piece of paper and think of three words that represent how each of you want to feel during your birth. So you'll have your three words, partner, you have your three words, and write them down. Take the time you need to think about them. And don't think about the obstacles or circumstances, those you can't control. Focus on how you want to feel during that time, what your ideal, like how you want to show up, what you want to feel during the birth, during the labor. Take the time to find those words and then write them down and share them with each other and see what comes up and then consider so that's step one find your three words each of you will have three words of how they want you want to feel during labor and then consider what are some of the things that you can do to help you feel that way or get back to feeling that way when things are not quite going the way you wanted them to at any point during the process so action number one connect with your baby action number two determine your birth feelings. And then action number three is about revisiting your birth support options and even maybe doing a bit of advocacy. As you probably know, I'm in Rochester, New York, so not quite the epicenter of things at the moment, but not so far away from New York City, where for a few extremely long days, some hospitals suspended access to all birth support people in the room for a laboring person. So no doulas, no partners, no family members, nobody. 
And so pregnant people were giving birth mostly alone. Although, of course, I do want to give an enormous shout out to all the nurses, midwives, family doctors, OBs, care providers, everybody in the healthcare system that has been working extra hard and making additional sacrifices during the circumstances to make sure things are still available for us and that we can get the care we need. Thank you so, so very much. But the fact is, for a little bit there, people were giving birth alone and the support was coming from these care providers who are already taxed and and already you know stra- more stressed than usual so that was the situation and i believe that's a step too far no one should have to birth without a loved one there is plenty of evidence on the importance of birth support on how it improves the outcome for both the birthing person and the babies and the impact that it can have good support can have or lack of support can have on the postpartum period as well as long-term mental and physical health for the family so i'm very happy to say that many many people agreed that this was also unacceptable, an unacceptable violation of human dignity and rights. And we rallied to change this through petitions, letters, emails, social media campaigns. In fact, one petition at change.org had 613,600 signatures before it closed. That is a lot of people rallying around this. And so... Last Friday, March 27th, I'm happy to say Governor Cuomo added a directive to his executive order relating to the pandemic that said that hospitals must, quote, permit the attendance of one support person who does not have a fever at the time of labor slash delivery to be present as a support person for the patient who is giving birth, end quote. I don't know what the situation is where you live, but if there isn't a similar guarantee in place regarding having a support person, then I encourage you to start sending letters to hospital directors, government government agencies, elected officials, start up a petition, do a little bit of advocacy work because it will pay it forward for you. Now, the reason that those hospitals were banning all support people is because there were a couple of instances where laboring couples came into the hospital feeling sick and with COVID-19 symptoms, but they didn't mention them or tried to hide them. And because that puts everybody in jeopardy, the hospitals took drastic measures. So it is important that that you are honest about your health if you or your partner is experiencing symptoms or have been in contact with people with COVID-19 because this matters for you, your baby, and the health of our healthcare workers. So be honest um, so that everybody can know what they're working with and provide the safest level of support that they can at that time. So right now, it's most likely, let's move under the assumption that you will be allowed one support person, but that person needs to be healthy. And so the best way to keep all of you healthy is by practicing true extreme isolation for both of you and everyone in your household from two weeks prior to your due date and up until when your baby is born. And I know this is a big and important commitment and it has to be done, like truly done. But it is the best way to ensure that you, the partner, can be healthy and present to provide the support your family needs during the birth. So to recap on action step number three, advocacy, try to do what you can to ensure that 
you will be allowed as a support person to go in and provide support, then make sure you are healthy so you can do that and have, you know, it might be an extreme, but all of you stay really locked up in your house with no contact with people for from two weeks before your due date up until when your baby is born. And then even with all that in place, it's also a really good idea to decide having a secondary support person so that you'll have them in case your partner does become ill. This could be your doula, a family member, but whoever it is, make a plan for it ahead of time. Hospitals are screening or they should be screening for everybody comes in to make sure they don't have a temperature. So in that screening process, if by chance your partner were to not pass and have to stay out, then you're going to have to bring in your secondary support person. Also, it's a good idea to check with your place of birth what their policies are in terms of that they might have in place regarding the use of phones, tablets, or laptops during the birth for virtual support. What we're seeing is that hospitals are allowing people to use electronics to connect with additional support people. Um, and many doulas, including myself, are providing virtual doula support. So, oh yeah, if you are thinking you need that, you can reach out to me. <laughs> I am offering virtual doula support. Now, while you are verifying policies, talk to your provider also about options for immediate postpartum and contact with your baby if either you or your support person are at risk for exposure or confirmed with the coronavirus. Guidelines have been changing frequently with that as more information comes in. So it's pretty much impossible to know what the guidelines are going to be at the time you're giving birth at that specific hospital or place of birth. So do check in so that you're prepared and you know what to expect. Now, it's also important to consider that if your baby needs to go to special care or the ICU, they are also limiting the number of support people that can be in contact with that baby. And so it's just like it's one support person for a birthing person, it's one support person per baby. And that's that can be a really harsh reality because in some cases you might have to choose of who of between you two, birthing person and partner, which one is going to be the support person person for baby because you can't switch. You, you, whoever it is, that's it. You can't switch until baby goes home. So make sure you understand what the policies are and what decisions you need to make. All right. So then once you have prepared for all that, the last bit of preparation is about the stuff you're going to take to the hospital with you. Some hospitals are having the birth person and partner follow lockdown policy in the birthing room from the moment they get in. This means you can't leave the room. You can't go to the cafeteria. You can't go to the car to get something. You can't have a relative bring you things. And if you happen to leave, you can't come back. In terms of food, I've been told that people are getting meals delivered to their rooms from the hospital cafeteria, but the only way to know for sure what the restrictions are for you is, like I've said, by verifying the situation at your place of birth and then planning accordingly. So make sure you you keep those uh, lines of communications open. And, and remember that things might be changing, so you might get different answers. Ask again. 
In terms of what to pack, it's going to mean that you're going to bring a lot more snacks and double check your bags and triple check your bags and quadruple check your bags to make sure you have all you need and your chargers and all the other necessary items. Today's episode is sponsored by Acorns. And sometimes I find that investing gets put off because it doesn't seem urgent or because with our busy lives, we may not have the time to research and manage said investments. Which is why I so appreciate that Acorns makes it easy to start automatically saving and investing for your future and that you don't need a lot of money or expertise to invest with Acorns. In fact, you can get started with just your spare change. So for example, I take advantage of Acorns Roundup feature where they round up the purchase amounts I make in my linked account to the nearest dollar and then they automatically transfer that to my invest account portfolio. Also, Acorns can recommend an expert build portfolio that fits you and your money goals, then automatically invests your money for you. For me, that's easy peasy investing. Head to acorns.com slash birthful or download the Acorns app to start saving and investing for your future today. Client testimonial may not be representative of all clients. Tier 1 compensation provided. Compensation provides an incentive to positively promote Acorns. View important disclosures at acorns.com slash birthful. Investing involves risk, including loss of principal. Please consider your objectives, risk tolerance, and Acorns fees before investing. Acorns Advisors LLC Acorns is an SEC-registered investment advisor. Brokerage services are provided to clients of Acorns by Acorn Securities LLC. Member FINRA SIPC. For more information, visit acorns.com. Diaper Rash It can be a truly uncomfortable experience for a baby. And so I find that one of the biggest conundrums when diapering is figuring out what diaper cream to use. So many options are thick and goopy, making them hard to apply and hard to wipe off. But I can personally say that this is not the case for Dr. Mom Butt Balm. Dr. Mom Butt Balm is a pediatrician-approved skin protectant that is free from dyes, preservatives, and zinc oxide, designed as a breathable formula to help maintain an optimal skin barrier while allowing the healing to occur. This butt balm was developed by a mom who is also a doctor, hence the name Dr. Mom Butt Balm, when she couldn't find any traditional products that worked for her baby's persistent diaper rash and she wasn't about to settle. So she created Dr. Mom Butt Balm to go on smooth and be easy to remove while also being gentle on your baby's delicate skin. With Dr. Mom Butt Balm, you can say goodbye to excessive wiping to clean your little one's already chafed skin. Dr. Mom Butt Balm is so soft and goes on so smooth that you'll only need a small amount instead of having to layer on a thick goop. Plus, it has a lovely minty scent. Learn more about Dr. Mom Butt Balm at drmombuttbalm.com. That's drmombuttbalm.com or look for it at amazon.com. All right. So this is the part of the show that I switched to talking directly to the partner. If they have left the room or not listening right now, go get them. This is specifically for partners. Okay, partner, first of all, I want to tell you, you've got this. You are the rock. You are the main supporter of your baby and your partner. You, they, Your family works in concentric circles, baby in the middle, then birthing person, then you. And like, 
the fabulous Wapio always says, you hold the charge for this birth. Not that you're in charge, because nobody's in charge. Maybe the baby's in charge, but um, but you are you hold the charge. You hold the responsibility, if you will, if you will, of protecting and holding space for this for these two people that are you know pretty much under your care so um and legally as well you hold the charge so don't be afraid to advocate don't be afraid to be involved don't be afraid to use your voice when i was writing my toolkit i asked different partners that i had worked with as a doula for their suggestions and and one of them said to be involved Quote, the most important thing that I learned is that dads are part of the team and need to be involved and focused on mom like a rookie doula. Additionally, they should not be afraid to engage doulas, doctors, and nurses on behalf of the mom or for themselves. End quote. Thank you, Andy, for that. Um, yeah, so don't be afraid to be involved. You may not be an expert in the medicine part, but birth is not a medical event. You are an expert on your birthing person and on your baby and on your family. So hold that, hold that charge. And I know it might be unusual for me to be starting talking about essentials of labor support by talking about you first, but yeah, you've got this. And so because you hold such an important place in this process, you need to make sure you take care of yourself. That means taking the time to hydrate, taking the time to go to the bathroom, taking the time to eat, have some snacks or figure out who is going to have your back because it's hard providing support alone. I don't doula alone. I that was something I learned early on the first time I supported a single mom at a hospital and realized you needed more than one person or ideally you would have more than one person because one person has to keep a focus on the birthing person and then the other person navigates the environment and fields all the questions and the communication from the hospital staff at large. So after that one birth that I was like, whoa, this is too much, I enlisted the support of new doulas for any time I have to be the only support person, I bring an extra pair of hands. You might be thinking, oh, great, that's how well you're starting because now I'm going to be the only person supporting here. So that's why I do recommend hiring a doula and having some virtual support. Even if they can't be physically in the room, they can be coaching you through it. They can have your back or have a, you know, a loved one also being providing some extra virtual support so that in case you need to focus on what is being said to you and understand information that's being conveyed in terms of, you know, interventions or actions that need to be taken, the birthing person can have somebody with them virtually, um, a loved one providing that support of reminding them to breathe or whatever it is. So remember, you got this. Be the advocate. Take care of you. Be involved. And also be present. And by that, I mean, be in the moment. Notice, just take a step and notice what the birthing person is going through, how they're holding their body, what movements they're doing. 
tune into whether they're going to need some water just by being present. Oh, and reconnect with your feelings. If you were thinking you needed, you wanted to be confident, informed, and calm, then check in with yourself and see what you're feeling and how can, if you're not feeling confident, informed, or calm, or whatever your feelings were, how can you get back to that? So a great way to prepare for that is to have some sort of mindful practice. If you want to start doing that now, that can be really helpful for you, not only just now, but during the birth and during postpartum and forever during parenting. So remember to be present. Okay, so after you've prepared ahead of time and ask all the policy questions and then you're taking care of you and you've got what you need and you pack your bags and you're ready to take charge of the birth, then the next step is to set the stage. So for labor to flow, the birthing person needs to feel safe, supported, relaxed, cozy, and to help them do that, the first thing you need to do is set the stage by taking care of the environment. Because birth happens at a primal level, not a thinking brain level. So the best way to set the stage is by engaging the five senses. You need to dim the lights, make it warm, have some lovely music or some sounds going on, use a calm and reassuring voice, and and even consider some essential oils. Don't forget lots of water for hydration, maybe some electrolyte drinks and snacks. So remember your five senses, that would be the taste, right? Have good, good food and hydration. And then remember snacks and breath mints for you as well. Speaking of sense, um, talk ahead of time with your birthing person about what they might want and what they might enjoy. And also pay attention to what is on their skin, what's touching their skin, you know, clothes, sheets, blanket, what's coming into contact and providing that sensation. Sometimes hair can be super distracting. So if the, your birthing person has bangs or their hair tends to fall on their face, make sure you bring a lot of hair ties and a way to put that hair away from the face. In terms of the environment, basically you want to recreate a space where you would easily be able to fall asleep or have sex. That's the same mental state that is required for when you've birthed. You need to be in that very relaxed, non-thinking space. So in terms of setting the stage, you want to rinse and repeat this process every time you go into a new environment. So you can do this at home, depending on what room you are in, making sure every room meets that criteria or is to an extent. And then you, when, if you're going to the hospital, then triage, try to make triage as, as calm and cozy as possible and cave-like as possible. And then your birthing room, do the same thing. You're renting that room out for the night or the day or however long you're there. It's like a weird hotel. So you can make it yours. You can bring fairy lights. You can, you know, close curtains. You can have your own blankets. Just make it yours however you can. And then in the car as well, for the, depending on how long your car ride is, make sure that your birthing person is as comfortable as possible um, and have the things there you need. Now, aside from the being comfortable, there's a few essential things that are super helpful, um, helpful tools to have at hand. And for me, those are bendy straws so that drinking is possible in any position. 
Um, having the healthy snacks for everybody, for you, for your birthing person. Make sure you bring lip balm because the hospital rooms can be extremely dry. Um, hair ties we talked about. And you can have some unscented massage oil to rub their feet or their shoulders um, or hands. That can be super helpful. I mentioned the essential oils. Make sure when you use them not to apply them directly to any part of the birthing person's body or their pillows. Um, you can use a little washcloth and put the scent on that or even a cotton ball. Put the scent on that and then... That way, if at any point they get sick of it or don't want it near anymore, it's easy to take away that scent without having it be all over the room already. All of these things that I'm mentioning are included in the toolkit that I mentioned early on, my labor support toolkit, which is super discounted right now. There's a checklist in there for stuff to bring to the hospital, so you don't have to write anything, any of this down. So you might just want to go get that. Um, I also suggest that, especially in the car, that you have some chuck pads set down in case the especially if the water has not broken yet, so that you protect your car. Or, or you can, I mean, you don't have to just use them in the car. You can use them while at home on the sofa or whatever. Just, just kind of like a protective barrier until the water has broken um, so that you're not having to deal with a mess later on. And super important, throw in the car a little bucket or a bag or something that is easily accessible in case the birthing person is feeling nauseous and needs to throw up. So chuck pads and a bucket or a bag in your car and just do it like right now. Throw those in there and then they're there. All right, so now that you've taken care of yourself and you've set the stage, we're entering the labor room. And once I get to the hospital as a doula, I usually ask the nurse for a few things or, well, usually I get them myself because I know where they are. But especially in these times of lockdown, that's not going to be possible. So feel free to ask the nurse for the things that you need. Um, a few of the tools that I gather is a large empty bin with some washcloths and I line it with a chuck pad. And that's in case, you know, like having a, a throw up bucket ready and um, easily accessible in case it's needed. Then I also ask for some heat packs, usually about three or four of those and some birth balls. There's the round ones that the birthing person can sit on. And there's also the peanut shaped ones they can use in case they're side lying or to lean on or to lean over on the bed. And they can be super helpful if in case of an epidural um, to help keep the pelvis open, um, especially since people tend to be lying on their side and going from one side to the other when they have an epidural. And then the last thing I make sure I have is another large bin with ice and water and some washcloths thrown in there. And I usually don't get that until things are going and we're, you know, pretty much in active labor because there, that tends to be a period where people get really hot. And as they get closer to pushing, it tends to be really comfortable to have a cold, wet washcloth on the forehead or on the shoulders or on the neck. Um, yeah, that can be so, so helpful. Okay, so you've set the stage, you've gathered your tools, you've asked the nurse for specific things. Now it's time to follow the labor and your birthing person's lead. 
Now, the first thing to know is that labor is not linear and that it's going to require different things at different times. And because it should be approached like a marathon, it is really, 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 really important to safeguard and replenish the birthing person's energy as much as possible. Contrary to what you see in the media, the start of birth can be super anticlimactic and even boring. Much of the time, it starts out as a non-event with period-like cramps, say, every 20 minutes. So a good rule of thumb for early labor is that you both ignore it until you can't ignore it anymore. I promise that a steady pattern of contractions coming every five minutes and lasting more than a minute and having been going on for an hour, that's not going to sneak up on you. You will know when you need to time contractions. Instead of doing that, focus on following the birthing person's lead. If they're chatty and excited and asking if you packed the snacks and if you've got the list for something or other, then they're probably in early labor. Make sure the bags are packed and by the door and quickly tie up any loose ends. Um, but once that is done, give them your undivided attention. And then in terms of figuring out what to do next, you can ask them how they're feeling. If they're tired and wanting to rest, then help them find a position in which they can take a nap or at least close their eyes between contractions. If they're antsy and they want to move, then walking or dancing or even doing figure eights while sitting on an exercise ball can help. Are they not sure of what they want to do next? Then you can make a suggestion. Suggesting something as simple as going to the bathroom might be just what they need. And here's a quick mini pro tip. Suggest that they lift their belly while going to the bathroom. This gets baby's weight off the bladder, which helps empty it much better. And also urine is not compressible. So at this point, every little bit of space counts. That's prime real estate. <laughs> And I love suggesting trips to the bathrooms because they can be super helpful at any point during labor and even the pushing stage or just before they're getting ready to push. Or if pushing's not progressing, a trip to the bathroom can create some great movement, create space and switch things up. So switching things up may be all that is needed. And there is no harm in trying something and then having to try something else because the first idea didn't work. Labor is very often about trial and error. However, no matter what the birthing person says, please do not take it personally. Suggestions might not work and that is okay. So then the next thing I would suggest is to try to identify your birthing person's coping mechanism for pain by asking them what they do when they stub their toe. Do they curse and start rubbing it? Do they close their eyes and hold their breath and want you to stop talking and not ask if they're all right? Do they yell or, or go into another room or want no one to touch them? Any of these things may also be the way they choose to cope with the intensity of birth. So even as you try to encourage them to breathe and relax their muscles, know that they may just need to make loud noises and that is perfectly all right. In fact, primal and guttural sounds are amazing for birth and they often happen naturally. Yeah, believe me when I say there's probably going to be lots more moaning and grunting before you meet this baby. But not all sounds are equally helpful. If the birthing person is doing really high-pitched scream-like sounds like, mm, that's probably creating more distress. Encourage them to make, to make low-pitched noises, which create vibration in the chest and bring relaxation. Oh, low. <laughs> and 
also let them know that there's no such thing as too loud during birth. It is perfectly okay for them to roar their baby out. If that's what they need to do, that's what they need to do. Now, while you're doing all that and making suggestions and seeing what happens during the contractions, pay attention to the tension that they're keeping and storing in their body. The problem with tension is that it creates more pain and it uses up valuable energy. It is super common for a laboring person to furrow their eyebrows or clench their jaw or tense their shoulders up to their towards their ears with every contraction. And chances are they don't even know they're doing it. So you may have to remind them to release the tension every single contraction. A great tool for this is to do a head-to-toe relaxation during the contraction because it helps release the tension, but it also distracts the thinking brain. Um, so the attention is not focused on the intensity or the pain. And it can go something like this. Take a deep breath and relax your forehead and your cheeks and your jaw. Let go of all tension from your neck, your shoulders, your chest, your arms, your hands, your belly is soft, your back, your hips. Let go of all tension in your legs, your calves, your feet. Take another deep breath and just let it all go. See how relaxing that is? <laughs> the best way to learn this technique is by doing it and practicing. I'm super comfortable doing it because I do it so often during birth and have been doing it for years. But I remember the first time I was doing it, it was quite awkward. And I was like, oh, am I doing this right? So practice it. And while you're at it, you can also practice saying things like, yes, that's it. Let it all go. Lean into it. Go and explore it. It's really important to use that soft calming, reassuring voice that is just going to help with the relaxation. Um, I have included in the toolkit a bonus track where I go through the head to toe relaxation from start to finish. And I also included the script that I use. So remember, you can go get that at birthful.com. Other really amazing tools for tension release are deep breaths with long exhales. And the beauty of this is that you don't even have to speak. You can just take a loud deep breath yourself and chances are that the birthing person will match it. You can also encourage them to take a deep cleansing breath after every contraction to help release any lingering, lingering sensations. So you can just go... Or you can tell them... Take a nice, deep cleansing breath and let that one go. So speaking of sensations, the more the birthing person resists the intensity of what they are experiencing, the worse it's going to be. To this end, you can encourage them to instead lean into the sensation to go in and explore it and see what it's all about. You do need strong contractions for a baby to be born. So switching the focus to embracing what they're feeling instead of resisting it can help the process along. Also make sure they're not clenching their jaw and see if you can bring smiles and laughter to the moment so that there's like a fresh new energy that comes in. There is a correlation between the tension in your jaw and the tension in your perineum. So relaxing one relaxes the other. It's not just me making stuff up like horse lips. 
Those can be super ridiculous and helpful. All right, so to recap, at first, ignore it until you can't ignore it anymore. Then rest and move, move and rest, making sure you balance both. Then during contractions, help them release the tension and do what you can to make them as comfortable as possible, which may mean the use of lots of props and trying different positions. So let's talk about positions. There are different types of positions that are all sorts of positions are good for labor, but they tend to be in my mind, I group them by what they do. So you've got like forward leaning positions over a birth ball or leaning on you or hands and knees or anything where they're kind of like bent forward. Those help release back pain and can give space for baby to move depending on how steep the angle is. And they can also give you access to the birthing person's lower back for counter pressure and putting a heat pack there or massage or jiggling. Um, all really good sort of comforting touch that you can do. Um, Sideline positions can be very restful and it can be helpful to have a peanut ball or some to put between their legs or even just a folded up pillow. The good thing about sideline, it, it also provides access to the back, but I would use tons of pillows to increase comfort, meaning one on their back, one between their legs, one behind their head, one for them to hold, one below the belly, like lots and lots of pillows. Uh, there's then the standing or upright positions that allow for gravity and more movement. And you can walk, you can sway, you can slow dance. Those are all great. And then you also have lunges and sort of asymmetrical positions that shift the pelvis so that it's not completely balanced. And those might be helpful depending on the position that baby is in. In the toolkit, I have a labor position cheat sheet where I group all these positions by type and what they can be helpful for. And I'm not just trying to like hit you over the head with the toolkit. I'm just trying to give you resources to further explain this because I can only go so far with audio. And then finally, the one thing that I would encourage you to bring to the labor process is your calm. How can you access your calm? Well, first of all, know that unless there's an emergency, and if there's an emergency, you will know. The room's going to fill up with people doing very specific things and things are being done more than asked. Unless that's happening, you most likely have plenty of time to ask all your questions, to get the information you need, to take the time you need to think about it. You can use the BRAIN acronym to get help you get the full picture of what's going on and help you make those informed choices that are right for you. And the BRAIN acronym, what that stands for is benefits, risks, alternatives. The I is for intuition or information. And depending on who you ask, the N is for doing nothing or what happens next, right? If we do do that, that you are suggested. So B for benefits, R for risks. What are the benefits? What are the risks? What are the, uh, the alternatives? Is there more information I need or what is your intuition telling you? And what happens if we do nothing or what's next? Now, if you want to know more nuanced information about what to do in terms of inductions, epidurals, when waters break before labor starts, or about cesareans, there's also a lot more of that in the toolkit, or better yet, join the online birth preparation classes that I have starting on April 16th. The toolkit is included as one of the bonuses for the classes, so you can find out 
information on all that at birthfulcourses.com. I do hope this is helpful. I do wish you have an amazing flowing and supported birth, no matter what the pandemic circumstances. Remember that you are strong, you are capable, you've got this, your baby knows how to be born our bodies know what to do if we get out of the way. It's a mammalian process, not a thinking brain process. So let physiology happen. And as a support person, your job is to support that physiology, making them feel safe, secure, heard, relaxed, respected, and following their lead, making them comfortable, suggesting position changes, having cold washcloths and heat packs available for them to do massage and comforting touch. Oh, speaking of comforting touch, I will link in the show notes a beautiful episode with Yiska Obadia on comforting touch during labor, which is going to be super helpful for you. Do shoot me an email at infoatbirthful.com or better yet, let me know if you want to come on the show and share your story of giving birth during this pandemic. Thank you so very much for listening. Mighty Ones, find the in-depth show notes for this episode at birthful.com, where you can also learn more about me, the show, send me messages, and more. This episode was produced by me and made possible by you. The title song for this podcast is Vive Ace by Kevin McLeod, and the sponsorship song is Air Hockey Saloon by Chris Zabriskie. Find them both at freemusicarchive.org. Oh, and my breakfast today was my usual, which includes two eggs sunny side up on sprouted toast with a smear of honey and a bottomless supply of green tea. I'm Adriana Lozada. Please join me next week when I'll be talking to another maternity pro to inform your intuition here at the Birthful Podcast. Thanks so very much for listening. This episode is copyright 2020 by Adriana Lozada. Hey, Mighty One. Did you know that if you started listening to one birthful episode per day at the start of your pregnancy, your baby would be about three months old before you got through all of them? That is so much birthful. So to ease us into the summer and to help you catch up on your listening, we're going back to releasing one episode per week instead of two. Now you know.